Yeah. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 39 of the Sailor Jerry podcast. My name is Matt Cothran. I am still your host. And today is Thursday, June 30th, 2022. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, you should have known by now that Sailor Jerry Spiced Rum is still made the old school way, 92 proof, bold and smooth as hell. Now, if you are watching on the YouTube right now, uh, you know, I apologize for uh, the gray on gray action. Uh, It was something that was purely coincidental, but uh, I am in Tallahassee, Florida on a day off today. And let's just say uh, the hotel is a little bit stunted visually okay it's a little bit lackluster in the color department and uh you know sometimes that's just the way it goes you know what i'm saying um but i'm still very very happy to be here very very happy to be out on the road uh the bronx tour with frank turner the sleeping souls has been insane since i last talked to you guys we've been going non-stop uh, we ran through Portland, Maine, uh, Vermont, Connecticut. Uh, Boston was such an insane show. Absolutely killer. Uh, Philly, another awesome show. Richmond, Virginia, uh, such a cool city. Great place. A lot of good friends there. Um, the New York show uh, was buck wild, of course. Uh, last night in Orlando, Florida, uh, was probably the best show of the tour so far. So it's been a really, really cool run. Um, a lot more shows to go. So if you're interested in checking out a gig, you can go to thebronx.com with three X's, or you can Google Frank Turner and the Sleeping Souls uh, and, and grab a ticket there. We're on the road till July 30th. So come on out, have a good time. The shows have been insane. The vibe has been unbelievable. Uh, the pit and the dance floor is active and uh and we're having a blast so uh shout out to everybody that's come to a show so far what's up to all the podcast listeners out there good to talk to you guys and uh thanks for tuning in yet again uh i really do love doing this so i'm super super stoked um i know the world is a little bit overwhelming and there's a lot of crazy shit going on on the daily especially here in the states as of late um but there's still a lot of love in the world and you can just never, ever, ever lose sight of that. Um, That doesn't mean you turn a blind eye. That doesn't mean that you don't get involved. That doesn't mean that you don't fight for what you believe in. Um, But it just means that you gotta remember that there still is an anchor of hope and light and happiness in the world. And uh, I'm sending all my love out to you out there in the universe. And I hope everybody's doing good. And man, oh man, am I excited about the interview that we got coming up. So without further ado, it's time for episode 39. Maddie Matheson is on a roll. In this epic episode, we catch up with a much loved culinary crusader for a massive rundown of everything on his plate. From acting and consulting in the brand new FX series, The Bear, 
to opening the incredible Prime Seafood Palace restaurant in the heart of Toronto, Canada. We also discussed the importance of forward momentum, taking risks, and surrounding yourself with the right people. And of course, we dive into music, punk rock, hardcore, slam dancing, horrible tattoos, Maddie's secret hardcore record, and so much more. This is an awesome episode, and it's one that I've been looking forward to ever since we started the podcast. So kick back, relax, pour yourself some Sailor Jerry, and let's go. Yo, yo, what up, man? What up? How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good, dude. Where the hell are you right now? I'm in a van. Oh, you're in like, oh, oh, that's one. Okay. Where are you at? Are you in Huntington Beach? Is the rumor true? I'm at HB, baby. Oh, dude, that's so brutal. I can't believe you're in Huntington where I live and I'm fucking stuck in Boston right now. Look at this fucking shitty hotel room. It's horrible. <laughs> what, do you live in Huntington? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I live there. I, I grew up in East LA, but I, I've been living in Huntington for like 20 years, dude. Oh, my God. It's the, it, Huntington's like the best, worst place in the world. It's incredible. Yeah, it really is. It really is. It's uh, it, it's a place that is very uh, polarizing, as they like to say. You know, it's pretty conservative and, and pretty shitty in a lot of ways. But uh, it's also, you know, there's a lot of great people there, too. You know, and the beach is beautiful. So I love it, man. Yeah, yeah I, I've really grown to love I never thought that I'd, you know, come to Orange County and, and find some amazing people. But you know, coming down here for the last couple of years, it's, 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 uh, it's been amazing. The people that, that have come into my life. Bro. I, I get that because dude, like growing up in LA, dude, Orange County was like, if that was like, if you, if, yeah, especially, especially <laughs> if you, if you moved to Orange County, it was like, dude, what are you doing? You're, yeah. you're done. You're done. Yeah. It's you a, know? it's a wash. You're, you're a fucking loser. Yeah. But, yeah. But, uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's all right. You know, it's like, I, I found a little nook there for myself that really made sense for my life with, you know, touring and kind of the LA madness was, was too crazy for me. So I got down to the beach and I fucking haven't, I haven't looked back since. <laughs> yeah. It's like a place that I like to come and I just like, you know, I come down here and I got friends that like build motorcycles and, and, uh, you know, it's just a place that I can come down here and kind of actually disappear and have like a good friend group down here. And like all my dudes from like Ruka are down here and like in Costa Mesa. And like, it's just like, um, it's an amazing place for me to, this is like my safe place now. I just come here and like yeah. fucking sleep on my friend's couches and like hang back and like, can just be like, cool. You know, I fucking love it. You look like you just got out of the water. Is that, is that accurate? No, I'm just like, we're building a, <laughs> we're building like a motorcycle. And so it's just like, it's just hot. So I'm just like, I'm taking a break. This is, this is the quietest place is in my buddy Scotty's van. I'm just in my friend Scott's van. Well, we appreciate Scotty's van. Uh, you know, yeah. this is a, a monumental day for the Sailor Jerry podcast to have you on as a guest, man. So thank you very much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Dude, we've been trying to do this for a while now. And now we're here and. And I apologize for taking so long. It's just, 
it's always so crazy and it's just it, it, I'm, I'm i'm fucking stoked to be here finally and, and be able to chop it up right on man absolutely appreciate you um you know you're on a bit of a, a press run right now for uh your big fx premiere the show the bear which is coming out on fx on june 23rd and it's also streaming on hulu uh so tell us about the show and how you became a part of it wow the uh yeah the um i don't know like chris store so chris store is a you know um his sister coco was the chef at john and vinnie's forever and I, and i'm really good friends with her and i met chris through courtney coco and um and just like kind of randomly he was just like yo like would you want to act on a tv <laughs> show and i was like no i don't know <laughs> acting stressful and like i gotta remember stuff and i'm like my whole career of just like you know is like one one fucking take and kind of just a riff and and acting is kind of stressful and uh and he's like dude I, but what if you like were, were like the chef consultant and like producer and you were like the handyman and i was like because i was like i don't want to be like a chef or anything he's like no nah, like we wouldn't even have you be a chef he's like i need you to like produce tell us what the fuck is like you know, really going on, help train the chefs or the actors and, um, and just kind of be a part of it. And, and it, I don't know, it was like a really scary thing to think about and a lot of responsibility. And finally I was just like, okay. And like, we met and we talked and, and, uh, it was like one of those things where it just kind of happened. And then when I got on there, we, we like, you know, I'd go visit the writer's rooms uh, which was led by Joanna. She she's a showrunner, director, producer, writer. Um, she's incredible. And so I would go when I was in LA. I'd go to the writers' room a bit, and and they would kind of like interview me and ask me a lot of stories and questions and like how would this person react to something like this and like kind of just try to make it as real as possible. And then when we went to Chicago, it was just like, like the craziest thing I've ever been a part of. It's like I, it was just like, you know, you're up at 5.30 every single day, Monday <laughs> to Friday. You get home at, you know, you get home at 6.37 every day. And um, just working on a set, like seeing how television's made is such a fucking trip. And because I'm like an actor producer, I get to see like the full kind of 360 of it all. Like yeah. I'm working with, I'm working with like the props people, the set people, um, you know, the, the, the wardrobe. I'm working with all the producers constantly, the actors. Like I was so involved in like everything kind of um, that it was really an amazing experience. And like um, everyone was so, it's so many people working so hard uh, to make something happen every day. And um, you know, it was, it was just a wild thing. I don't know. Yeah, that's really cool, man. I mean, it's it's cool to hear that, you know, you're kind of like the the mob guy that they use to like authenticate mob movies, you know? They like, yeah. it's, cool, it's cool that they were like going to you to like ask for like, hey, how would this play out? You know, in addition to you being on the show, that's pretty cool. That's that's like a, you know, that's like a respect thing, you know? That's pretty awesome that they did that. Yeah, it's a trip. Like, it, it's one of those things where like, it's also like, you don't want to overstep when you're on set. Like there's so much like different yeah. kind of like levels and hierarchy and like everything's like union and like, you got to like really learn kind of where your place is and like how, like, you know, you don't really want to like 
all of a sudden you're like, hey, the way that that actor did that, it's kind of fucking kooky. It's like, you know, you really kind of choose your battles and learn how to like work within all of those different means. And like every time somebody says it's like, you know, like um, you can't be telling people constantly what they're doing wrong or whatever. Like their their nuances are their nuances. And and the way that I work and the way that I kind of move around kitchens and you know like they're the way that they move that's the thing that i really found is like the way that i think chefs move and the way that everything moves it's like they became their own people and i think like that was an amazing thing to see is like the actors by the end of it were like telling like the prop be like hey like my knife was like this and my spoons are like this and like they really (laughs) kind of took a lot of charge and and made it so amazing and like they really cared and like they would know how to set up their full stations by the end of it and like i don't know it was like they're really doing it. It was like the cliche, you know, like they, like by the end of it, like they were kind of being chefs and it was kind of tight. And um, I'm really proud of it. And like, yeah, everything, like by the end of it, like all the, all the, all the crew, they're all like, yeah, chef. And like, just like, it was like, it, it, you know, we're all making, we're pretty much making fun of all that bullshit, but it's like, it was really something to kind of like, everyone was uh, a big part of it, you know, and, and, and working towards trying to just make it as real as possible. Like the show is like, it's life on life's terms, man. And it's like, it ain't pretty. Like a lot of people come from broken places and um, you know, you still got to show up and it, it's a heavy show. Like it is like, you know, it's about a dude taking over his dead brother's restaurant. And it's, it, it, it's um, it, it just comes from such an awful place, you know, and, and, and just trying to, you know, he couldn't, you know, help his brother. Maybe he can help his restaurant you know, there's a lot of turmoil and a lot of like, just fucking heavy ass shit constantly. And you're just like, like dealing with all of that stuff or not dealing with any of that stuff. And then just like showing up for work and making, trying to make fucking Italian beef sandwiches. Like it's fucking, (laughs) it's uh it's heavy shit, man. Yeah. That's dope, man. It's, it's cool that I I didn't realize it was, it was going to be um, you know, kind of full on like that, which I really enjoy shows like that. I didn't know what the meter was. So that's cool hearing it from you. And then also, it's so rad to hear you talk about it from the idea to the very end where everyone's, you know, kind of all in it together, because you go into it kind of like, do I really want to do this? You know, I kind of like don't really know. And then by the end of the whole experience, it just seems like it was just a really like positive, awesome time. Yeah, it was like over, I'm over the moon. Once again, it's just, I think it's like, I come from, you know, I think it's just like, it is that growing up going, having like those crews of like being like a hardcore kid. And I think just finding your place is so powerful. And, and, And I think like that set and that crew and like cast and crew and everybody was fucking tight. And, and, you know, the synergy was there. And that's the thing is like, there's so many opportunities, like everyone there, like me being a first timer, it was like, you know, I'm some like new Jack on set where I, I don't know the rules. I don't know that people are just like, yo, like <laughs> you're just like telling the director what to do or like, you're doing this or like, you're doing that. Like, you're like, Maddie, you're just loose. Like you're just squacking at everybody. And um, it, it is one of those things where everybody on set was like, yo, this isn't what it's like, Maddie. Like, you know, most people are like in their trailer, they come on set, they do their job, yeah. they go home and, and everyone was just hanging out. And it's just like, that's the thing is like the vibe were so high. And like, cause we were all like, 
we could hang out in the dining room because we built the whole restaurant on set. Yeah. And so like everyone would just hang out in the dining room when we were shooting in the kitchen. When we were shooting in the, in the dining room, we'd all hang out in the kitchen. And like, we were all just like, nobody hung out at the village. Like nobody hung out at the monitors. Like everybody wanted to be in the cut and everybody wanted to be there. And like, everybody was just like watching each other act and like do it and like run it. And I think it was just like, I don't know. The whole thing was just, it was, uh, the pace was like meant to be high. Like we didn't do too, the, the directors didn't want to do a lot of takes. They were like, yo, yeah. like we would do like five takes max. And it was just like, like most times they were using in the edits. It's crazy. Like they're using like the first takes and it's just like, because that shit was the raw shit. And they wanted to keep that pace. They wanted to keep that reality. They wanted to keep like being like, yo, again, 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 done. Fuck you. Next yeah. scene. Like, did you get it? You better got it. Like, it, and it was just like, the vibe was, was that kind of thing. And everybody kind of got, they're like, Oh, okay. Okay. Like, let's go. Like, let, let, like, and, and, um, like there was, it was, it was, um, it was like a real push, you know, it was cool. That's fucking dope. How was the, uh, how was the catering on set? Was it up to par? <laughs> Yo, dude, straight up. I was making fun of this. We did a panel. We did a panel in New York and I was making fun of all the, the cast, all the fucking actors. They get like, you know, sweet green every day and juices and smoothies and absahi bowls or whatever the fuck they want. And, and I'm just like out there with the cat or the crew eating like the fucking cheese quesadillas <laughs> or like the fucking crew shit because i'm like yo this catering's tight i was so stoked on i was like this shit i, I want to eat this shit instead i want to eat like fucking they're making like i don't know fucking barbacoa quesadillas and like Ooh. making some real ass shit like every friday they were doing like steak frites and stuff and like i don't know it was fire to be honest like every morning like i was getting this like blt wrap in the morning that was fire um i don't know i'm down i like all that shit though like i'm like like, you know, going to a shitty wedding is like my dream food, you know, like a <laughs> shitty Caesar salad and like, you know, like I'm down with that shit. Like just like a microwave piece of beef. Like it, it's just like, I'm, I'm with it. I'm like, I don't care. I love that kind of shit. That's amazing, man. Uh, yeah. Shitty wedding food is definitely a vibe. It is definitely a vibe. It's like kind of warm, kind of cold, like rigatoni. They're like, how is it? They're like, what is that? Is this microwaved? And they didn't like fucking mix it up it was just like some of it's cold some of it's hot i think about that scene in Step Brothers when he's like i didn't want the salmon <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, i did not order the salmon um uh, let's uh that's perfect segue into seafood here because you just opened a game changer of a restaurant uh that i personally can't wait to visit uh in yeah. the heart of toronto called prime seafood palace um, you have accomplished a lot over the years, but this one seems to be, uh, it just seems to be a little bit different. You know what I mean? So tell yeah. us about your original vision for the restaurant and how it all came together. Well, um, I don't know. It, like, like this all started like years and years and years ago, like almost like six, over six years ago. And I think I was just in a place. It's like, it's funny. So like, I was like a chef. And then, you know, I kind of left parts and labor and left all my restaurants and, uh, you know, like we had P&L burger, we had P&L catering, fucking parts and labor, all that shit. And then I left the group and, uh, and then just did like all my vice stuff and started like, yeah. you know, dead set on life and it's supper time and traveling and becoming whatever the fuck this thing was, you know? And and I got to the point where I was like traveling around and it was like, you know, it was almost like six years of me just traveling the world, 
and making shows and making books and making content, whatever the fuck. Yeah. And, um, and I kind of felt like a poser. And uh, I just felt like I was taking and I would travel the world and I was going to all these restaurants and, and I was just like, yo, I need to add, I need to kind of actually mix it up and get back in there. And um, I really, I, I felt like a fucking poser. And I was just like, yo, I know that I can like make, like, you know, make restaurants. I know that I can like, you know, I, I, I can do this. And, and that's kind of what sparked it. Cause the thing that's crazy is like prime seafood palace, Six years. I only wanted that. That this is supposed. This was supposed to be my only restaurant. Um, I didn't want any other restaurants. I just. I was like, yo, if I could just have one restaurant, and and keep doing everything that I'm doing, that's that's the fucking move. Yeah. And um, you know, the pandemic kind of fucking shut that the fuck up. And and uh, and I kind of got to a place where my entire career was kind of taken away, like most people. You know, especially in the music industry and the restaurants and, 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 you know, people in salons, people yeah. in barber, like people that had to like make, like touch people to make money, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and my whole career, all of a sudden, you know, when the pandemic hit, it was like, you know, the first week this got canceled, that got canceled, this got canceled. And then all of a sudden your whole year got wiped Yeah. and, and you're just like, okay. And then I'm like, how much money do I got? Accounting guy? <laughs> You know, and you really start trying to, like, it was a pretty scary fucking time. You know, I, I was never a partner really at Maker Pizza. I was always just helping out my buddy Shlomo and I was a consultant. Um, and so like, that was the thing where I'm like, I'm getting a check from that. And, and I got to a point during the pandemic where, you know, PSP, you know, was always just like the pandemic rat fucked the entire uh, build out of that you know, financial stuff. People were like, I'm back backing out. Like, fuck this. I'm not putting money into restaurants. So we had yeah. people were backing out. People were like, uh, not that we, we only had three backers, but it, it, it's still, um, you know, we had one guy leave and then that really fucking shook shit up. Then we had to find a new person to come in. Uh, our building actually, like we, we, we tried to build onto a building that was already there and the, that building facade fell down. We had to go no, back God. to permit. We had to fucking do all of this shit. And so like that's happening on top of like my other career completely falling apart. Um, and then it just kind of like, and I was like living back home, like on the farm in Fort Erie. And I kind of hit up these two dudes, Brad and Bob. And I was like, Hey, do you guys want to do like a barbecue pop-up? And uh, they were like, yeah. And they had like the equipment and all this other stuff. You know, I love those dudes. And, and we did this barbecue pop-up and we called it like, uh, like Maddie Matheson's meet and three. And I don't know, it was just like lightning in a bottle. And we were doing like a thousand people a day and it, it was like fucked. And that kind of turned the lights back on for me instantly. And, um, and then we just started like rolling and, and, you know, we opened up like Maddie's patties and Furia Balam and then Fonda Balam and, uh, you know, and now Cafe Rang. I'm about to open up another restaurant called Rizzo's House of Parm. And <laughs> yeah, then, uh, yeah. name, naming that after my daughter. Hell and yeah. I'm going to be cooking like all Italian, a bunch of Italian food uh, from Trisha's family. And then, um, and, uh, and then PSP, like Prime Seafood Palace, kind of was just always floating around. And I was just like kind of doing these things to just kind of like 
keep everything moving. You know, it's, I kind of got in that mentality of like sharks keep moving and not in like a negative way, but I was just like, let's do this. And like, let's do that. And like, let's fucking build this out. And now I'm just like, holy fuck in a year and a half, I've opened up like five restaurants and I'm kind of torched. Um, and at the end of all this, I got to open up like my actual dream restaurant. Like now all of them are kind of like, they're part of the, they're part of my world. Yeah. And, um, and I love them all so much actually. And, and now, but, but now I'm like, at the end, I'm like, now I get to open up like my restaurant, you know? And it's just like, this is like my actual dream and all of them were, but they were all on different kind of necessities and reasons and all that other stuff where I'm like, this came from such a different place where this, this restaurant came from like before the stresses of a pandemic, before the stresses of like, you know, fucking whatever the fuck is going on in this insane world right now, yeah. where everyone thinks that they can like save world wars from like putting up memes or some shit. But it's like, <laughs> y- y- you know, like it is like this restaurant is like, a true representation of what I believe is a great restaurant. What I believe is like the thing that I really wanted to put forth and add to the tapestry of our industry. What I wanted to add to like, um, you know, when, when people would come to town, this would be the spot to be like, Oh fuck, this is what Maddie's really fucking up to. This is crazy. And uh, not just like, you know, eat a cheeseburger. Cool. It's a good cheeseburger. Sure. Um, You know, uh, not trying to downplay any of the other restaurants, but I just like, this thing was like a thing where, um, I don't know. It was just special, you know? And it, it was yeah. like everything. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it feels like that, you know I mean? That's the vibe you get from everything from like, you're talking about, I mean, having to, having to build out and then having to deal with all that during the pandemic with, you know, I'm sure there was probably like supply chain issues as well with just the build out itself, you know, and then actually being able to get, um, you know, to complete a high-end restaurant as, you know, as a chef like yourself, I imagine that's just got to be the best feeling because, you know, the pop-ups are the pop-ups and those are all labors of love and it's all awesome, but it feels like this is kind of a, a really big moment for you. And I, I dig that. And it, from the menu looks fucking incredible. What are some of the, uh, the heavy hitter dishes that you got? Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It's tough when people come in, they're like, what should we eat? I was like, yo, because <laughs> the menu the menu is like large right like it's like because it is like based off of like a steakhouse right so it's like yeah. you know we have like chilled seafood caviar warm seafood appetizers proteins like you know you got like all your steaks pork chops chicken you know we got a like a halibut dish on and then all the vegetables are coming from from uh you know blue goose our farm and and a bunch of other farms and and then the desserts so it's like I'm always just like, yo, like everything's like 10 out of 10. It's not like we're putting on fucking duds. So it's just like, if you want some shrimp cocktail, get a <laughs> shrimp cocktail. If you want the boudin, we do this like really sick kind of like boudin where it's like scallop and shrimps and like we house made ham. And we yeah. pipe it and we steam this like sausage and then we cut them and then roll them in cabbage and grill them and then lay lardo on top and melt the lardo and then put like ponzu on top, which is really Ooh. nice um our steak tartare is amazing we make a chickpea miso and like soy mustard kind of marinade for the beef which is really nice with toasted sesame seeds and which is cool um even our bread i think our bread service is really cool just because it actually means something like i'm like growing up in like the east coast of canada like we we i don't know why but well i do know why but like um molasses bread is a really big thing i know in like boston they got brown bread and like um 
all that kind of shit. So it was just like growing up, we always would make like molasses bread. Um, shout out to Crosby's, which is like the, like the OG, like molasses company. Um, and so we do these like beautiful little Parker house rolls that are molasses breads. And then after church on Sundays, we'd always have like molasses bread, canned like shitty, like smoked mussels or like Kippard snacks and then like mustard pickles. And, and so that's our bread services. Like we make our homemade butter or cultured butter. we got mustard pickles. Um, we do like um, Kippard mussels and then our molasses bread. So like, that's like a real kind of thing, like a cliched kind of like, you know, my mom used to make this and like that kind of bullshit, but. Um, you know, I, I gotta shit. ask you, I gotta ask you cause it, what you just said right now blew my mind. Cause, and I don't, I, I don't ever trust anything I, I see on Wikipedia, but did, did you grow yeah. up in Nova Scotia? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't say grow up. So like I was, I was born in St. John, New Brunswick. Okay. I'll give you the rundown real quick. I was born in St. John, New Brunswick. Then we lived all over Nova Scotia. I lived in New Brunswick. I lived in PEI. I lived in, in Nova Scotia all over in three provinces. And then we ended up in Dartmouth and I lived in Dartmouth for a while, which is in Nova Scotia. And then in grade five, I moved to Ontario. My dad's job brought us to Ontario. Um, and then we ended up in Fort Erie. And then I went from grade like six to like, you know, grade 12 and Fort Erie. So that's yeah. dope. Dude, my mom, my mom is from Nova Scotia, dude. She grew up there. Really? Yeah, she grew up there. And dude, the craziest thing is I went back when I was a kid, like, you know, when I was really young, probably like four or five, something like that. And I went back and I just have the coolest memories of being there. But dude, my great grandma made molasses cookies, dude. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I know, I know all about that, dude. And my mom still makes them to this day every Christmas. And it's the fucking dude, best. molasses cookies are the best. Nice <laughs> they're chewy, little soft yeah. chewy ones with the sugar on top. Yeah, that's fucking Wait, amazing, man. Where, where in Nova Scotia? Where in Nova Scotia? Uh, I want to say Halifax. Is that right? Okay. Is that, yeah, 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 yeah. My mom, my mom was born. My mom's a blue noser, and my brother. So that they're like, um, they're all from Halifax. My sister, yeah, my sister, my younger brother, and uh, and my mom all were born in Halifax. Yeah, that's cool, man. I remember going back there as a kid. And I was just, I was tripping, dude. I was like, this is so, uh, you know, it was, it was just a different like pace. It was a different everything. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it was my yeah, my great grandma rest her soul she was like the sweetest old canadian woman she was such a badass yeah. you know it was fucking great but that's really cool that's that's awesome oh yeah it's time for a quick commercial break so we can refresh our jerry loves ginger cocktail ladies and gentlemen how are we gonna do that we're gonna take one part sailor jerry spiced rum and three parts ginger beer how we're gonna make it we're gonna add Sailor Jerry Spice Drum to an empty rocks glass. We're gonna fill it with ice. We're gonna top it with ginger beer and garnish it with a fresh lime or candy ginger. Now back to the show. Um, uh, real quick, you touched on Blue Goose and I wanted to talk to you about that because yeah. I think that's so, so dope. Uh, you know, first generation farmer, are you adding that to your, uh, to your, you know, to yeah. your resume? You well, know, I, I don't think, I'm, I'm more of like a facilitator. Keenan okay, okay. and, and Miles, they are the farmers. I'm okay, just gotcha. like, the thing is, is like, I ain't trying to say something I'm not. You know, I ain't out there <laughs> plowing the fields. I'm not out there. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not that guy. You can see like, this, this, I'm fine. I ain't, 
I ain't that guy. I'm I'm a facilitator. I'm most things. <laughs> yeah. I like my job. I like to like get people together, figure out who's got the money, who's got the ideas. Yeah. How do we execute some shit, right? Yeah. yeah. And um, you know, I like the business side of stuff. And um, I think that uh, you know, once again, pandemic shit. Me and Keenan at the beginning. He came and helped. He was helping me um, with my first cookbook when we were shooting the photos, when yeah. we were cooking everything. Around my second cookbook, sorry. And uh, him and some of our friends were there, and we we're all hanging out for like a week on the farm. And he was just like, he was like an amazing chef. Keenan is like, like probably my favorite chef. Him and like Colson, who's like my partner, are like my two favorite chefs. And um, and Keenan was kind of making a joke. It's like, man. But this much grass, like it should be like illegal, you know, like you, you should have to grow vegetables. And I kind of was like, yo, go grow some fucking vegetables, you know? And, uh, and he is like, okay. And then we started making jokes about it. And then he was just like, yo, for real, like, what do you think? And I was like, I don't know, put something together and let's see what time it is, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and we put it together and, uh, we took a leap, you know, like during, we, and we did it in the, in the pandemic. And once again, it was like, you know, my uh, financial advisor strongly, uh, <laughs> strongly uh, did not want me to put money into building out a farm. Uh, but I was like, if we don't do this now, we ain't ever going to do it. And I got it. I'm like, I'm a huge, I'm sure my, my, uh, my team would love, you know, to agree with this, but I'm a huge like risk taker. I'm a big fan of kind of jumping off the cliff at any moment because that's what it takes to do shit. And, um, you know, we, we got one shot at this. You better fuck it. Being afraid ain't it, you know? So I'd rather be afraid. And and as a, after I jump, then fucking have a bunch of like, what ifs in my life. So I think, um, you know, we went for it and, uh, you know, three years ago to now, it's a, it's a wild thing. Like it, 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 it's a, it's a, the first thing I've never felt, um, the, the, the happiness that, that, that something like this could bring to somebody yeah. physically isn't, yeah. it is, it is a wild, like if I didn't have blue goose during this pandemic, I don't know, man. It was like, I could yeah. go out there four thirty five 5.00 AM in the morning get a little pot of coffee going the kids wake up and you're just like the dew is out there and you're sitting out there and there's birds there's fucking animals running around and it's just like that kind of shit ain't that that's it and it's just like you're out there in that peacefulness and that serenity and that beauty um and i don't know i think as somebody who's done a lot in their lives you know uh more than a you know like I, I just I've done a lot of stuff and I think it's just like this thing um I don't know it gives like the thing yeah. that makes me the least amount of money gives me weirdly you know <laughs> the thing that makes me the least amount of money makes me the happiest and and um and it's really eye opening and really beautiful and um it it gives you a lot of different kind of it gives you like a different type of empathy for things and and it, it's it's um I don't know. It's powerful, man. And I think it, 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 it's the fact that like, we see the potential, like even this year, year three, like just our output is 400% greater than like last year. 
just last Dude. year with like the same amount of land the same like we were like let's let's like we're really trying to like crawl walk and run with this project and like not like overgrow it and not like be aggressive in any manner um and try to give it the right kind of like mindfulness that we need and um and like just by like doing what we did last year but because i don't know like keenan and miles what they're doing it's like like the the output just like it, it, it's literally they were doing some math and i think it was like 400 percent more vegetables by weight already and we're like you know we're like a m- month and a half in uh to our season once again like canada we only have like a six month growing season yeah, um yeah. which is like you know depressing in its own self but whatever but i think it is um it, it really just shows. And like, I was talking to Keenan like yesterday about it. And I was like, you should be like, you're building your world. You're building a life, you're building a career. And I believed, um, obviously I believed in him. Um, but I was like, it ain't easy. Like to literally get a shop. Like we don't use gasoline. Like he hand digs all those beds. He hand dig like we leveled the ground, but it's like every single thing is like hand done. It's like, yeah. we're doing things. It's like, organic it's like every single vegetable is hand washed there's no machines for harvesting there's no nothing it's it's two people and and uh it's an amazing thing to see that kind of work and see the the reciprocal of it and see see the 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 how it can naturally expand into just um the greater good you know yeah dude it's it's really really incredible and it was one thing that i saw that you kind of put together through the pandemic that i was just like Wow, man, that just, it it was really inspiring. And one of the things um, that I think is really cool about you is that you always kind of seem to reinvest your wins back into the next project or, you know, the community or whatever. And it kind of creates this like snowball effect of like forward momentum that I just think is, is really, really cool. And I was just kind of wondering what kind of advice would you have for people that like the next Maddie, you know, like when they're getting started and they're doing these types of things and they're, you know, when you, you get a little bit of a victory and you, you put it back in and you keep it going to the next big thing. Cause dude, I mean, you're, you're on like kind of a legendary run right now. Like your last like two years have been epic, dude, like coming out of the pandemic and everything that you've built and everything that you've done and your trajectory is just, it's inspiring. It's awesome. So what, what are some kind of takeaways that you that you've got over the last couple of years? Um, surround yourself with really good people. Yeah. Um, you know, don't be the smartest person in the room. Uh, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's an interesting thing. Like, I'm always like, it's a crazy thing. Like, my whole game is I'm trying to take as much money from people as possible putting it into my own businesses yeah. and then eventually my businesses will outgrow the money that I'm taking from these other people. And then all of a sudden I just, I, I, I did a couple of years of like, you know, doing all these like ads and doing all these things and I'm doing all these corporate things. And I'm just taking like, no one gives me money. It, like yeah. no one wants to like, um, I can't just go and ask rich people to fund me. I'm, I'm like a huge risk for people. You know, um, the way that I am, the way that I'm, I say things, the way that, uh, you know, old rich people don't want to give Batty Math some money to, to invest in restaurants, to invest yeah. in um, ideas. 
And, and so then when I figured that nobody was like, even banks don't really want to give me money. Um, but I think, um, you know, surrounding yourself with really great people, trusting yourself. I think the biggest thing too is partnerships, much like marriage, much like anything you, I, I, I really, if you don't love your partners, it will fuck up life yeah. and partnership. It is. And if you don't understand your side of things and understand your part in business or in any type of relationship and see that like, no matter what is happening, you do have a side good and bad that like you'll, you, you, the, the resentments will build and your partnerships will fall apart and you need to have good people around you. Like I, I've set myself up where I have like somebody who is pretty much like the greatest accountant ever. I have somebody who knows how to build out restaurants and build out businesses and, and, and work with like, you know, contractors and all that kind of stuff. And where I'm like, I'm the piece of the puzzle where I do all the branding. I do all the recipe building. I do all the spaces. And I'm, I'm like, I'm the cool guy. I'm like the person that knows how to fucking make a vibe. I'm, I know how to like, check people and be like yo that person's a fucking kook like don't worry that they suck like we don't have fucking losers in our company because it's just like we don't we don't i don't fuck with that like if 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 you're not cool you don't get to be sitting at our table if you're if you're an asshole you certainly don't get to sit around and help us be a creatives because it's just like that's the whole thing but i think like advice i'm like i don't know like it's it's one of those things where i'm like i always jumped you know, yeah, and, and yeah. I think it's like, I always tell people, I'm like, hey, you're the most original person in the world. If you're actually can be you, you're yeah. you're 100% you. No one else is you. And if you know how to take you and do something, no one can say fucking shit. Like, that's you. And I think like everyone's so caught up and in, in trying to be these things and have this vibe and try to be these other people. And I'm like, be you. You got to find, like, the thing is, is like, I don't know. Like, I'm obviously like, I'm funny. I'm, I'm pretty good at cooking. I'm good at the, my biggest gift is like reading people and working with people actually. Yeah. And I think like, that's the thing is that excels people is that I'm not really, um, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's like one of those things where I'm like, I really like, I really enjoy working with people. I, 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 I'm like, what do you think? If you put three options forward, one of them is going to be good. If I put three options forward, one of them is going to be good. I don't think every idea I have is good. I don't think every idea that my partners have is good. But I think once again, having an open conversation constantly yeah. is what it takes to be successful and to be like, this sucks. And this isn't, doesn't make sense. And like, that's fucking whack. And like, if that's fucking whack, then like, yo, shut it the fuck down. And if you're halfway down the road and you know that it's fucked, shut it the fuck down. And it's just like, people aren't afraid to like kind of shut things down or like move forward. Like if something gets fucking squirrely, fuck all that shit. Like I, I love deading stuff. And it's just like, if, if somebody all of a sudden, cause you don't really know until you kind of jump too. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things that like, I don't know. Like I, we did this, like we signed like one of the biggest deals of my life. And I like pulled out because I was like, nah it ain't it and it was like one of the biggest things i've ever done in my life and i was just like we had to pull out and i was just like i just i got the bad vibes i got the fucking the tummy's telling me no and 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 we can't go down that road and uh 
And it felt like it was like one of those things where I was so stoked because I was just like, yo, we just gave up the biggest contract of my life. <laughs> and, and, um, and we did it because of the right thing. And I think it's um, trust your gut, your gut. If, if, and, and, and know your, like, it's like, trust your gut, know your value. I think people understanding, knowing your, knowing their true value and, and just being like, yo, this is it. And understanding, like, if people want something from you, you it, it's just like, that project just isn't for me. Just because you think that you want me to be a part of it doesn't mean that I have to be. Yeah. And <clears throat> I don't know. There's a lot of little things, but it's just like, I think loving your partners, loving people around you, having, like, the no asshole rule is really cool. Yeah. Uh, like, no fucking, like, but you can also have different, like, and that doesn't mean like everyone has to be the exact same as you. Like my partners are like my, my, my partners, I love truly. And I wouldn't hang out with them in a million years if I didn't know them. Like if I saw yeah. them walking down the street, I'd be like, I wouldn't even, they're norms. They're like, no, but, but seeing them in the pocket and seeing them fucking under stress and seeing them like always thriving and like yeah. always problem solving and that's the thing. The biggest thing is like in our company, it's like, I always, we are a unified problem solving company. Like if there is a problem, it means that there's a solution and we just have to take our moment and we have to problem solve. And every single day we are problem solving. Every single moment we are problem solving. And, and, and you can't problem solve with a bunch of like people that think their way is the right way. Yeah. Every single thing, um, is a group effort. And I think that like, once again, like the greatest leadership is, is to listen and then delivering on that solution. And like, my job is to like, be like, huh, that's the solution. How can I put the infrastructure together on executing that and making that happen? Like, I, I know that I like rambling about all this stuff, but I think it is like those things where I'm like, I'm always just, I'm going a hundred miles an hour at all times. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I work at, like I'm on literally vacation right now. And I, every single day, it's just like, I still have like three hours of meetings every day because like, I just do them in the mornings, but it's like, it's still so there's so many things that are constant that we just need to always talk about. And I think communication is the key to anything. And it's about talking freely, openly, understanding um, both sides. Like you need to have compassion. You need to have empathy in everything. And I think being able to take yourself away from something and being like, that's making me really fucking mad right now. But is it because I didn't eat this morning? Is it because I fucking was mad last night? Is it because I snored too much and I fucking woke up and I didn't bring my sleep apnea machine and I'm fucking grumpy? <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck is all this bullshit? And then you're like, wait, that's okay. I can settle down and I'm going to figure that out. And then wait, they were right. And I'm just being hot and I got to cool my jets and I got to yeah. fucking now you know, like you're all, I'm always in that position where I'm just always trying to like figure out what's right truly and what's best for the overall company, not being able to make, um, and try not to be like hot. Like if you're hot, that's not when you make the decision. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Like you need to have that 24 hour cool down, you know? Absolutely. Dude, that I was, don't know. Uh, Is that a lot. That's a lot. No, a dude, lot. dude, dude, that was, that was a masterclass, my man. That was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was some amazing insight dude it really really was it's really cool because i think you're absolutely right just about um you know it's obviously surrounding yourself with the right people but communication and just open communication about you being wrong or someone else being wrong and people not taking things personally in a business environment and everyone working towards the greater good 
problem solving, all that stuff. It's so important, dude. And it, it's, it's, it makes so much sense that you have had the success that you've had just hearing you talk like that, because uh, that's just, it, it's just rad to hear, man. It's really, really cool. And I think people will get a lot out of that. Um, so thank you for that, but let's switch gears to yeah. music for a little bit because let's go. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's, let's go a little bit. Cause I want to know, you know, obviously you've got uh, you, you've got a little bit of a uh, history in punk and hardcore uh, and, and just honestly, the whole no asshole thing in business, uh, you know, that's kind of something that applies uh, in the punk and hardcore community too. You know, it's, it's a very, uh, you know, everyone's welcome, but you know, no, no room for, for intolerance and no room for assholes. So growing up, uh, how did you kind of get into music? What were your, some of your like gateway bands into punk and hardcore? Um, well, I grew, growing up to Fort Erie, the best thing ever was, you know, that's the border town to Buffalo, New York. So like, yeah, yeah, I, grew, yeah. I, I grew up going to, you know, 99 cost like basement shows in Buffalo, going to show place going like my first hardcore show. I think I went and saw like Kate, it was like cave in buried alive yeah. and, um, Elliot. And, uh, I think that was like one of my first hardcore shows. Um, but I think it was just like, I got in through like metal. Like, I think, like, I remember I had this mixtape and it had like Deicide and Pantera, Hell Slayer yeah. and, and, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And I think like, once again, I think the first time I ever saw something that I was just like, wasn't like, you know, my parents, my dad was like, wait, like my dad was like, yo, fuck the Beatles, Black Sabbath. And my dad yeah, was yeah. like, he's like, my dad was more of a rock dog. So it was just like, he didn't fuck with all, he like, now that I'm older, I like listen to Grateful Dead. He's like, why the fuck you listen to this pussy shit? <laughs> like, he, he, like, he's like one of those guys who just doesn't get it. He's just like, yo, it's like, yo, it's like blues. It's like blues and like Black Sabbath and shit. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like, I think like my sister had like a fucking, I think it was like Danzig 3, like a cassette. Ooh, and I think Danzig yeah. 3 was like the, one of the first cassettes that I ever um and i was just like what was like hr geiger i was just like what is this art yeah. and like i think it was just it was so sexual and weird and i was like it was yeah. like anime before anime or some shit and yeah. i was like you know i think like that was kind of like it was like i remember my older brother had like a, that that metal kind of mixtape thing and then and then like danzig and then you know i went a little deeper and like misfits and um you know I think Misfits was like a really big thing for me. Um, growing up in a small town, it was tough, you know? Like it was like, it was like a small border town, farm town. And like, you know, like there was all that stuff in like grade seven and eight, you're listening. Like, you know, you're listening to fucking like corn and fucking Deftones. Like Deftones was like a huge thing. Like I remember we went to Warp Tour in like 97 and we got to see like Deftones like uh, uh, on the Adrenaline Tour, which was tight. And yeah. um that kind of stuff was cool. And then, and then the hardcore was just like going to, but like, it was like one of those things where it was just like, we got sucked in. There was like five kids in my town and we would just get our parents to drive us over to Buffalo, drop us off. And we would just go to hardcore shows. And, and then like, you know, going that whole thing, it was like 97, even, um, you know, 2000, like, and then we started traveling, you know, you'd go to Syracuse, you'd go to Albany, yeah. you'd go, like Erie, we'd go to Erie, like Forward Hall all the time, go see like fucking X Disciple X and like 
all that fucking shit and like you know brother's keeper and like all that like i grew up in like that you know like i think california takeover was one of the first cassettes i ever had yeah. seeing Snapcase a million times yeah and like that was like the victory like the golden like that was kind of a, another kind of you know like you got like that early af shit in new york and chrome eggs and all that shit and then you got that 88 youth crew shit and then like that like 90s kind of like culture shit and you know fucking chokehold and all that stuff and then like a little bit later it's like Snapcase and all that stuff and earth like seeing earth crisis all the time and hate breed like when you'd see them in like 200 cap rooms and it was yeah, just like yeah, yeah you know and i think just seeing that shit like i was just in that like little world you go see converge every weekend you know and you go see like all these bands and i think um yeah i don't know it was like i was like a huge hope con fan like i loved hope conspiracy yeah, 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 i got yeah. like defiant hearts tattooed like on my fucking double chin here and um i don't know like that was like i was just like a you know a very kind of basic hardcore kid in that time frame you know like just wearing like sacconis and like army fucking <laughs> shorts and like you know you got an army hat wearing like fucking whatever but i still like it was so funny like i think uh hellfest maybe hellfest like one or two the one that was at lost horizon uh in syracuse and like I remember I was there and I, I remember seeing um, fucking, I went into like the merch room and I had like a hundred bucks for the whole weekend. And I remember I had a hundred bucks and I was just like, I spent it all on to die for merch. And I was just like, and I was just like, it was like the best, you know, like I got like a fucking to die for. Like, I was just like, I spent all, I was like, take my money. And I was just like, you know, like 18 visions was like the coolest. Like I remember I was like, this guy's wearing a boa. This guy's insane. <laughs> and I just like all this shit. I remember I was like so drunk at a warp tour. Like this is like 12 years ago now. Whatever. I remember I was so drunk. And I think that the it was like the drunk Ken from 18 Visions, I think. Yeah. And I fucking he was coming out of a shower, like back at behind like warp tour. And I see like Ken. I was like, ah! I was like, I don't give a fuck what anybody says with the nail polish and all this bullshit and your fucking the stupid lyrics i was like until the ink runs out is hard i was like take all this fucking like glam shit away i was like that album is fucking hard as fuck i was like that's some real fucking shit i was like those riffs are fucking and he's like thanks man he's got the towel wrapped around he's got flip-flops on. <laughs> and i'm just like i remember i punished him and i remember i punished i got dragged away from the first time i ever met jamie josta i think it was Montebello fest i was with cancer bats and like jamie and i'm like i got him in the headlock I'm fucking telling him what time it is. And, and, and Liam's like, bro, we got to go, dude. And like, we got to get out of here. And, and, and he was so nice. Like, I remember I did Jamie's podcast, like, I don't know, maybe a year ago. And I was like, dude, I was like, it's so crazy. You know who I am. I was like, I crushed you one day. I was like, and he, and I was like, you were so nice. He's like, I'm always, I was like, you were so nice. And I was just like, I got, I had you in like a headlock, fucking sweating on you, smelling like a fucking wildebeest. <laughs> it was so good. That's good to know that even even the mighty Maddie Matheson was a Punisher. That's good, <laughs> bro. I only I think the, I was just stoked. I was just like always just like pumped. And then like you know all of a sudden I like got into like the crew and I'm like backstage everywhere and being like you know riding around with people and I was just being a fucking dumb dumb. But I was always like I loved it. I was just like because I was never straight edge. I was never I was never yeah. I never was I was never that dude. You know I'd be like got a throwdown hoodie on with the fucking grenades on the fucking shit i just wanted to be fucking mangled and have like a good time and i just wanted to hear like breakdowns and shit you know yeah did you pit did you pit 
oh bro i was a pit i was all day i was just like okay. I, yeah i loved it i i loved I, it all like it was, i could see yeah. you being like a. I could see you just being out of your mind pit boss in the middle just like ah. yeah <laughs> like back home back home like in niagara they use it i think it was like wrecking ball or some shit i don't know but it was just like one of those things it's like you know, I wasn't one of those dudes who puts the mouth guard in and like goes to town, but I was just like, I was just having fun. <laughs> did you, uh, did you ever think about uh, joining a band or singing in a band? Cause I think you would be a legendary front man. Well, you know, um, I started, I started a band uh, for my 30th birthday, which is 10 years, I'm 40 now. So for my 30th birthday, I used to have at Parts of Labor, a thing called Maddie Fest. And- Oh yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. Like, so like the original manifest was just a basement show. And, and, um, and I was like, yo, Liam, I was like, for real, I was like <laughs> me, you, I was like, we are going to start a band. And I'm like, I got the name. I got the songs. I was like, we need to go in. And it literally, he was like, fine, fine, fine. We'll do it. I was like, we're going to, I was like, for my 30th birthday, I want to like be in a band. And, and, and Scrappy was like, sure, dude. And we went and like, literally the, the show was like on Friday. And so like on Monday, we went and we wrote like a set. We just wrote like, you know, like 16 second songs, 15, 30 second songs, you know? And I was like, yo, we just gotta be like fucking, it's like power violence and like a break, like 20 seconds of power and just like a breakdown, 20 seconds. Breakdown. <laughs> and, 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 and we did it and it's on Bandcamp actually. It's called, it's called Sex Tears. Ooh, I like that. I like yeah, how you got all serious when you said the band name. It's called hey, Sex Tears. It's, it's called Sex Tears. And they're, pos- they're positive sex tears, everybody, okay? So everyone can calm the fuck down. And then, um, yeah, so that's on Bandcamp somewhere. And then, um, and then low-key, me, Wade, during the pandemic, I got a, we, 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 I got like actually a whole, we wrote me, Wade, uh, Nardi, Daniel and Ian Romano uh, wrote and recorded a whole hardcore album. Uh, what? That we may put. Yeah. So we have. I'll send you after this. I'll send you one of the songs. It's fucking. It sounds like integrity, kinda. But um, it's fucking. It's really good, I think. And uh, we haven't released. No one's talked about it or anything. But because everything, like we did it, and then all of a sudden, like everyone started touring again. Yeah. And. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they want me to redo my vocals, you know, it's fine. <laughs> you know, they're, they no. comped them enough. They comped them, they comp and everything. But like, they're like, maybe Wade, Wade's like, ah, you know, it was the first time. Like, maybe we could do it again. And I'm like, I gotta record. Cause it's like, we wrote, once again, it was the same kind of thing. We wrote all of the songs and recorded all the songs in two days. And then, and then I did all the vocals for 10 songs in one day. So it was like three days we wrote and recorded a 10 song fucking lp yeah you don't want to lose that original heat dude you don't want to lose that original heat dude it was like i was just like it was like full henry rollins i got like just like little yeah. rugby shorts on yeah just like naked just like me and <laughs> the booth and i'm just like it was just going off and it was just like half the lyrics were written half of them were just free balling it was just like it was it was good though but it's hard like there's songs like uh i don't know it's good i i'll send you a track but it, it, it's a funny uh it's a funny thing because I'm like I'm fucking forty, but it's still like fu- no matter what. the thing is is like no matter what, like like there's there's some people that are like hanger ons and like went to hardcore shows, but it's just like there's some people that just like don't really get it. Where I'm just like no matter what, it's like it's like either you're a hardcore kid or you're not. 
And I think it's just like one of those things where it's just like, there's a lot of people like anything that like, you know, like hockey bros or fucking people that put, were in ballerinas or like people that just like have those early childhood kind of like belongings and like never left, but like yeah. also like lived and didn't make it a hundred percent about like their identities and like lived their lives, but like contributed and went there. Like we used to put on shows all the time in Fort Erie, not all the time, but like, you know, like it was like about doing all that stuff and like making zines and like going to shows and like putting on your own shows and like actually contribute. Like that's the thing that I think really is the coolest thing about the hardcore scene is like, you can't just be a wallflower. And I think like, you can't, you got it. Like you're not getting what this, you're not getting what this is if you're just going, which is tight. Like go be, go be in the crowd if you want. But like, there's so much more that you can do once you start adding the same as, fucking all this bullshit you know like it is like either you can be watching or you can be doing and i think it's like i i I think it's like one of those things where it is um because even in high school like i had a hardcore band called hanging hearts in in high school that was like same type of shit it was kind of like you know hate breedy type shit but it you know it was like that juxtaposition you you call yourself like hanging hearts and you're writing like poetic fucking bullshit you think you're fucking you think you're like west from an and you know you're trying to like you know you're trying to write some poem shit and it's just like some beatdown shit it's just like it's uh you know you're always trying to do shit and i think like that's the thing is like i've never lost that and i think that there's people that just like that scene is like yo like jump what what you want you want to do a zine go you want to do a band go you want to put on a show all you you want you you want to fucking be somebody be somebody i think that is the thing is to like jump be be about it your first band probably ain't going to be the best one maybe it is maybe your second or third one will be but it's just like don't fucking just do something and give up or you can change lane i changed lanes i got lots of lanes but it's like um you know just uh keep going yeah, man, that's fucking dope. We got to, uh, only got a couple more questions for you here. And yeah, I appreciate, yeah, whatever. I We're appreciate good. your time, my man. Uh, this is the Sailor Jerry podcast. You yeah. are a certified tat daddy as you, as you sit here in all your glory in front of me. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about tattoos. How did you first kind of yeah. get into the tattoo world? Uh, through just going to hardcore shows in Buffalo and just seeing everybody being like, oh, this is what it's about. You know, Man. and I was just like, it was such a part of that where in Buffalo, like at such a young age, I was just like, you know, I got my first tattoo when I was like, I don't know, 17, I think. And it was just like, I don't know. It was just like one of those things where it was like the coolest thing to me. It was part yeah. of that that look. It was part of that that scene. It was part of, I don't know. It was just that vibe was high. And um you know, I'm glad I didn't get some like biomech shin guard or like some bullshit, <laughs> but I think, um, you know, it's a slippery slope, you know, the mid nineties, mid nineties, it was, it was ruthless. There's some fools yeah. out there with some fucking body armor, <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, I've, uh, I think it's just like, you know, just seeing people heavily tattooed at a young age was just very impressionable on me. And yeah. I, I, I still think that it's the coolest. Um, it's one of those things that can, you can set yourself apart. Also, it's like one of those things where people will talk to me and they're like, Hey, like, like I'm going to get my first tattoo. And I'm always like, don't, if you ain't got a tattoo, you don't need one. Like, I'm just like, 
like me, I'm just like, you know, whatever. I'm like covered head to toe. And it's just like, it's it, now I'm just trying to like fill in every stupid little space. I'm 40. It hurts I'm over <laughs> it. It's like, man, but like, I don't know. Like by the time I was 24, I was like, I had my head done, my hands yeah. done, my neck was all like, I had everything done. By the time I was like 24, 25, I was kind of laced up. And I was just like, I'm cool. And now it's just like, I only have spots that really hurt do it. So it's yeah. just like, um, but I don't know. Tattooing still is like, I have so many amazing related, same as music. Like you travel and you meet tattooers and people in that community. And it's so amazing. And, um, you know, it's the same kind of thing. It's like, you meet these people that are like doing their own thing and there's that mutual respect. And like, yeah, you don't have absolutely. to like, like that is like, it, it just kind of makes it easier to spot check. And you're like, oh, okay, this guy's a homie. He's got this. And like, they look chill and like, and then they actually are chill and it's a double win, you know? Yeah. What was your first tattoo? I got this armband. It's like this like stupid ass kind of armband. That oh, yeah. Like, it's a, it looks what like, the hell is so, that? Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you a story. So I went into, it was called Rainbow Connections in Niagara Falls. And I got tattooed by this guy, Frankenstein. And, um, and I got, I went to a couple of high schools. And I ended up at like a Catholic high school. It was like the last one in town that kind of I could go to. And the uniform was like, you know, a polo, like a polo short sleeve. And uh, I was like, I'm going to get a forearm tattoo and, you know, hopefully get kicked out of this one too. And like, whatever the fuck, thinking I'm some bad boy. And um, I go and I was like, once again, I'm like, I got like 150 bucks. And <laughs> this is the funniest shit. Cause like, I don't like, now obviously know how fucking tattoo shops work and all this stuff i go in and the guy i picked literally like a tribal this is a tribal armband i just couldn't afford color so it's like one dimensional tribal <laughs> and it's like it was like this woven tribal band and the guy was just like 150 bucks can't do color i could do it solid black and it was like this woven thing but he did it literally like and then i went home my brother's like it looks like safety pins and, or he's like, it looks like turtles fucking each other. Or like, it's like, he's just like, what the fuck is that? And I was just like, perfect. Thank you. you Thank you, Frankenstein. Asshole. Yeah, Frank, Frankenstein, go fuck yourself. Couldn't afford, couldn't afford the color, right? The color was too expensive. I was like, you robbed me. You robbed me, you fuck. But uh, that was my first one. That was my uh, first tattoo. Yeah. When was the last one you got? Have you, have you had time to get anything done lately? uh i think the last one is over here ozzy i got all my kids names on me so like Ozzy's yeah. up on my shoulder so i got ozzy there i got rizzo over here and then macarthur's over yeah there's mac there yeah i got fucking i got i think ozzy was my last tattoo was uh i just got her name over here but uh yeah i just got i think those are like my last like three i haven't been i kind of get fillers i got like tattoo Look at this. This is good. A eh? good angle. Oh, yeah. There. <laughs> These butterflies. I'm just trying to like fill my whole body up with like butterflies. You got any Sailor Jerry tattoos? Do I have any Sailor Jerry tattoos? I have a bunch of old Flash tattoos. I couldn't tell you which one. Like I don't. I, I don't fucking know. bet. I fucking bet you have one. I bet you do. I don't know. I got that classic. Like, dude, this is the most like hardcore tattoo ever. I got like a rose with the eye with a razor blade. You know? Oh yeah. You got any diamonds? You got any diamonds on you? 
dude, there was a diamond right there, and I got it covered <laughs> out. I got, dude, I got a diamond coming out of my dude. I remember. <laughs> there's a dude, lot of fools. There's got, a lot of fools with diamonds. There's a lot of fools with diamonds, dude. So, like these were like swallows that I covered up, and like, yeah, you could really spot it like an early two thousands hardcore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I have any sailor. I'm sure I do have some flash of something. But it's like it's also like I don't know. I'd have to. I don't know. But even like I got a, you know like a rockabilly girl on a rocket. Like I'm yeah. just like what the fuck is, you know like yeah. I'm like that's yeah. like some shit right there. You know. That's I'm like, thinking I'm like Keith Buckley or something. You know? <laughs> awesome man. Well, uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, buddy. So, does uh, the last question kind of a wrap up question? You know, as we sit in this moment here. You are an internationally recognized chef, restaurateur, clothing and cookware juggernaut, uh, New York Times bestselling cookbook author. You know, you got the Blue Goose two times, baby, two times. Uh, you got, dude, that's so fucking awesome. Congrats, dude. Just it, that's so insane. You. you got the Blue Goose Farm. Uh, now you're an actor, uh, family man, wild man. Uh, what is next on the horizon for you? Like, what what are, what are some things that you got coming down the pipeline? Um, I just sold my third book. Um, yeah. So sold my book. Um, working on you know season three of Just a Dash. Trying to figure that out. Nice. Um, hopefully, open up some Maddie's Patties maybe in uh, Costa Mesa shortly. Yeah, hell yeah uh maybe hb gets one um and then um i'm trying to mellow i think i just i've been running for a minute here yeah and i just listed like five massive projects you know i'm gonna try to write a screenplay um that's something i haven't done yet so i'm gonna try to write a screenplay um and uh i don't know try to see my family more <laughs> You know, yeah. I don't know. Try to try to like with I'm trying to do like bigger projects and like less little things. So then I can have like some real time in between some stuff and like try to really try to start figuring that out. Having three beautiful, you know, healthy kids at home and, and, and having the best wife ever, Trishy, holding it down is like, you know, I'd like to get to a place shortly where I can actually kind of be home for more than five days at a time or two days, you know, last couple like in the last year, it's tough, you know, it's, it's yeah. um, making all this stuff happen and, and trying to take care of my family. Uh, you don't see your family trying to take care of them sometimes. So I'm just trying to figure that balance out. Um, you know, I'm very happy uh, and proud to, to, to have an amazing family that I do have. And, you know, I love all those fools, you know? Yeah, man, that's great. I think you're I think you're well on your way to being able to, you know, kick back a little bit. I mean, it's like you're a very hardworking dude. Like you said, you know, you've you've accomplished a lot so far in your life. And it seems like you're really good at kind of building that like delegating empire where you can, you know, you have a nice team around you. You've got people that you trust that you work with, you can count on. And, you know, hopefully you know, you're just a little bit ways away from being able to kick back a little bit, man, and enjoy the fruits of your labor. I'm trying, I'm trying to get there, you know, but it seems like you also kind of love working your ass off a little bit too. You know, it's like part of the grind. Oh. 
I'll be a drug addict till the day I die, baby. So, <laughs> you know, I think it's just like, I, 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 yeah, yeah. I think I got a little broken void that I'm, uh, forever trying to fill, you know, yeah. I'm, uh, just a little broken piece of fucking, you know, I still remember, didn't you guys do like, a? did you guys do a little white drugs mirror? Am I crazy? Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I oh, have yeah. one of those. I got yeah. one. I was just like, you know, we're, it's just like, we're all a little broken mirror, you know, and yeah. we're just trying to fucking fix it at all times. And, you know, I think maybe work is, is my tape that I'm, I'm trying to wrap around and try to get this shit back together. You know, I don't know. That makes sense, man. Last question, brother. Uh, in your point of view, uh, everything you've kind of been through so far in your life, what do you think the meaning of life is? I don't know. I think I think uh, a 24 hour window trying to just do what you need to do today. Uh, and and uh, I think that's the most important. And I think the meaning to life is is trying to do your best in within that 24 hours and and. Uh, the meaning of life is to to get up every time you make a mistake, get up, don't make it twice, you know, and it can be as simple as that. Like, I think too many people get caught up in everything. And like, I don't know, I think it, it, all we got is right now, man. And I think yeah. it is, it, it, it's, we got this and it's just like, you know, we got each other. I think, I think it, it is like, you get what you give. And I think like all those like little things are true. And I think it's like that energy that you're putting out there, you're, you're getting back tenfold actually. It's just like you, I think a lot of people are delusional on, on what they're putting out there. <laughs> and I think, uh, you know, I, I, I uh, but I think really it's, it's, it, it ain't about tomorrow and it ain't about yesterday. It's like, it is right now. And like today is the most beautiful day, even that darkest moment, we're going to get through it and we're going to get through it together. And like that greater good, man, like that, that life force is strong. You got to just keep holding on and, 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 um, you know, I think the meaning of life is to live this. Is the, if you think about and just worry about today, like your life will be plenty. Your life will be full. Your life will be like, you know, the meaning of life ain't trying to fucking think about your whole shit. Just like keep going today. I don't know. Yeah, man. That's amazing, brother. Maddie, thank you for your Yo. time, my man. Thank you. I, I, I'm so stoked to finally be able to catch up with you. Thank you for being on the Sailor Jerry podcast. Enjoy oh, yeah. the rest of your day, my man. Enjoy Huntington. I wish I was fucking there. Uh, Dude, but hang. I'm, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Next time, next time when I get home, I'll, I'll hit you up, and then next time you come yeah. through, let's let's try to make it happen. But appreciate you, my man. Thank you very much. All right. Have a beautiful day. All right, brother. Peace. Oh yeah, that's a wrap on an amazing episode thirty-nine of the Sailor Jerry podcast. As always, huge amounts of respect and gratitude to our guest, the one and only Maddie Matheson. Maddie, thank you so much for your time, my man. What a great conversation. It was really cool getting to talk with you about everything that you've built and are continuing to build. Uh, very inspiring. So we appreciate your time, my man. You can follow Maddie uh, at Maddie Matheson. He's one of those guys that's got a zillion uh, avenues. So just Google is the best way to get everything you need to get when it comes to Maddie and what he's up to. Of course, you can follow me at 213 Matman. You can follow Sailor Jerry at Sailor Jerry. 
And, uh, you know, do me a favor. If you're watching this on YouTube, drop a comment on the episode. Uh, you know, that means a lot to us. It goes a long way. If you're following the podcast, thank you. If you're not following the podcast, give us a follow. Give us a subscribe. Uh, you know, let people know what you're listening to. Tell them what we're doing over here on the Sailor Jerry podcast. We appreciate it. And of course, lastly, do not forget that Sailor Jerry Spice Drum is still made the old school way. 92 proof, bold and smooth as hell. That's all I got for episode 39, ladies and gentlemen. We'll see you on the flip side two weeks from now. Peace. Peace.